Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And with a weather forecast like that, you're better off staying indoors today. A very good morning to you. We welcome you along to uh, Cork today on this Thursday morning. Bernie's taking your calls, 1850-333-103 and texting and WhatsApp is also available at 86 And we're already getting texts and WhatsApps into the programme this morning. And I want to start with one text that we received in because I wanted to talk about this lady today on the programme. It's from Michael in Castletown Vare. Thank you for your text, Michael, to say, Patricia, leave Brexit aside momentarily and we will for a while. Let's congratulate the beautiful 106-year-old lady that we saw on the news last night. What a lovely interview she gave. Also, the Cork lady who today is 101. Isn't it marvellous to see that and to be able to go back in history with them and all the changes they've seen? As a septuagenarian myself, I remember when I was growing up, very few made pension age, which at the time was 70. Today, octogenarians are classed as young. And I know a number of people in their 90s were still pretty active. Bless them. It goes to show people are living longer. Thanking you. And indeed they are. And I have to say, septuagenarian was a word new to me. I had to do a Google on it. And it's people between the ages of 70 and 79 and uh, yeah and anybody reaching 70 it's deemed very young I mean you actually would hear people say somebody in their 60s or somebody in their 70s you'd, you'd hear people say gosh that, that's not old at all uh, I mean it but, and it really is terrific to see people we know we have an ageing population and it ties in yesterday with the piece that I did with Professor Roseanne Kenny and that conference that's going on today in Porky Cueve about how to age well we are living longer but it's to do it and it is to do it well. And that lady yesterday who appeared on the news, Nancy Stewart, she's from County Meath, celebrating her 106th birthday. And she insisted the reason for her long and happy life is good food, good friends and staying positive. Isn't that fantastic? And they were all of the things that we mentioned yesterday in How to Age Well. I mean, one of the ones in the Good Friends was keeping a social life. Now, keeping a social life doesn't mean that you're out in the pub or you're out dancing every night, but it means keeping socially active, 
meeting up with friends, you know, getting involved in organisations in your area. We spoke about how important and the great benefits you get from, from volunteering and staying positive, just always having a positive frame of mind. And and you could see it in this woman last night at 106 as she was ta- as talking, you know, and saying how excited she was about the fact that she's 106. She's terrific, lovely, lovely uh, woman. And, and that staying positive as I was looking at her in the news, I was also then reading a book that I'm finishing off for an interview I'm doing tomorrow. It's uh, Alice Taylor's wonderful new book that's out. There's another lady who shows people how to age well. Alice celebrated her 80th birthday last year. And this book that she's brought out that we'll talk about tomorrow is a journal from all of last year that, you know, heading into her 80th birthday, for some people, they might dread the idea of coming into 80. So Alice decided, well, let's take a look at that year and let's see what I achieve and what I do and don't do in the year. So she journaled the year and it's turned into a book and it's a fantastic book. I mean, it really is great. But she talks, there's a chapter in that book about staying positive and how there are always days when you feel down and what you need to do to kind of to shake that off and to kind of dust yourself down and say, OK, I'm feeling a bit low today. What do I do about it? How do I turn this around? So, and uh, it's, it's that whole thing about positive thinking. And, and, and uh, yes, I, and I accept we all do get down days, but let's, let's have more good days than down uh, days. So, yeah, happy birthday to that lovely, lovely lady. 106, it uh, is terrific. And she makes a lot of the papers today. And there's wonderful photographs of her with her, her children and with her grandchildren. Let me start, by the way, also by mentioning... Firstly, I suppose two photographs, one photograph. If you get the Irish Examiner today, first thing I want you to do is turn over to the back page. There is a stunning photograph taken by Ger Murphy of Gugambara and it is the perfect autumn reflection of Gugambara. Now, it's a photograph people will have taken over the years and you'll have seen at various stages and at various different times of the year. But the autumn one with Gugambara with the colours, it is quite quite stunning. Well done to uh, Ger Murphy. You got the photograph. Perfect light. It's it's just and I love Gugambara. It's just such a, a stunning, stunning place. And it's still waters run deep is the caption on, on the photograph. And it's just it's it's serene and it sums to me it sums up serenity. And while that's on the back page of the examiner, on the front page and making a lot of the other papers is a picture of a woman by the name of Jacinta Fortune who is from the Navin Road in Dublin. And she's in a cage. She's actually in a cage holding on to the, you know, she's got her fingers through the wire mesh of the cage. And she was outside Leinster House yesterday. She was there with Family Carers Ireland. They were having a protest and they they called it the caged protest. Caged, C-A-G-E-D, standing for Carers Against Government exploitation and denial and they decided to go outside Leinster House yesterday to talk about their anger and their disappointment following last week's budget. They feel like they've been forgotten about and many family carers have that sense of feeling caged by the budget. 
Uh, and I'm always aware when we do, I mean, actually we're going to be speaking with Catherine Cox of Family Carers Ireland in a couple of minutes on the programme as to how that protest went and just to talk about what they did and didn't get in the budget. But I'm always aware when we do interviews about carers and when we talk about things like protests like this, for a huge, huge number of carers who would love to take part in a protest like that, they're just not able to they're because they can't leave the person that they're looking after. They can't they're looking after the person 24-7. They're stuck indoors 24-7 unless they get somebody to come in and look after the person so that they could go to something like this. And that's not what I'd be considering a day out for a, a carer. But because we don't have enough supports for carers, because we don't have enough respite services available for carers, literally, we do have people who are caged inside in their own homes. I remember hearing about a woman who was on her own looking after a child with autism and he was a teenager when I heard this story and he was a big, fine, big, strapping young lad and when he was and quite aggressive with, with sadly his autism but on very aggressive uh, episodes and she was parenting him on his own. Now I don't know why and I didn't get into why there wasn't a dad or a husband or a partner around but she was parenting a uh, on her own and now he went to school and then he came home in the evening and when, from when he came home at whatever time of the day school ended her front door closed and then it didn't reopen again until it was time for him to go back out to school the next morning and then weekends would come and say three o'clock on Friday he'd come home from school and that's it the front door would be closed and it wouldn't open again she wouldn't be able to go out she couldn't manage or handling, handle him when she went out because he was now a teenager and you know a big strapping young man and she had elderly parents who had been helping her out but because this young lad had become so violent she was fearful for Nana and Grandad that you know he might hurt them he wouldn't mean to hurt them but he might hurt them so they had to stop helping her in caring for this young lad so on they used to do shopping for her at the weekend and they literally would bring the shopping leave it on the doorstep ring the doorbell she'd look out the window make sure they were got back into the car and then she would run out and, and bring in the shopping and that was, that was her life and that was her life during school holidays, you know, Easter, coming up to midterm for Halloween, Christmas. And it was just absolutely no life. And she literally was desperately trying to access what she wanted more than anything was a little bit of respite. She said if she could get respite, she wasn't even looking for it on a regular basis. She was saying once every three months, if she knew she had a weekend, it would just keep her going. And then you talk to people who do manage to get that little bit of respite and you say, oh, what did you do with your free time? And the majority of people I would have spoken to over the years would say I sleep I get into bed and I sleep knowing I can go to bed I'm not keeping one ear open for the person I'm caring for and that I can get a full night's sleep and most carers are absolutely exhausted so when I saw that they were using the graphics of of caged and then for this woman to be inside in the cage I just thought yeah that actually sums up what life is like for many carers and we will have many of them listening to this programme uh, today so we will talk in a couple of minutes with Catherine Cox from Family Carers uh, Ireland. Also on the programme today Operation Transformation the deadline for applications is fast approaching for Operation Transformation. I have a funny feeling it's this Sunday you've got to have your applications uh, in. And we're encouraging people because Operation Transformation is one of those things when when you when the leaders will get selected and they'll be chatting with the leaders, inevitably some of the leaders will say, oh, I watched it for many years 
and I thought about could I do that and then I pulled out and said no I wouldn't be able to do it and then oh I finally decided I would maybe getting a little bit of encouragement from a family member and they finally signed up and their lives have been changed completely. We've had some very successful weight loss journeys with people from Cork and I always love when we have somebody from Cork in Operation Transformation it kind of adds to our interest so I'm really keeping my fingers crossed and hoping that one of the leaders that gets selected this year will be from Cork but you need to get your application in. Have you thought about Operation Transformation? Have you battled with your weight for many years? Is there somebody in your house that battles with weight who you feel could benefit from Operation Transformation? You need to have the chat with the person though you can't enter on their behalf and we will speak with Dr Sumi Dunn and Dr Sumi Dunn is the GP who joined the team uh, recently and she'll talk to us about Operation Transformation. We are going to speak with a fostering social worker on the programme today. Our foster carer is, is rather than foster parent, we always used to use the term foster parent but the TUSLA seem to be changing it to foster carer. There's a big campaign at the moment. TUSLA need to recruit more foster carers in the area. Unfortunately there are more children in need than foster families that they have. So there's a big campaign on at the moment. And maybe this is something you've thought about that you could do. You know, in the past, you might have gone through your head, yeah, I think I'd make a good foster parent. What does make for a good foster parent? And then there's a lot of misconceptions. For example, you can be single and be a foster carer. I think people think that you have to have both you know, a mum and a dad in the house in order to be a foster carer. That's that's not true. Also, and this was something that surprised me, you you can be working. I always thought that a foster carer, that one of the parents would have to be at home full time, that that's not the case uh, either. And also there's age restrict the, the age restrictions aren't as restrictive as a lot of people would, thought, would think. So we're going to talk around that whole issue of fostering. So if you have a question, if fostering is something that perhaps you've thought about in the past could be for you, do you have a question around it? Get it in and we will speak with a social worker who deals with fostering on the programme today. A member of Angarda Siakona will join us for this week's Crime File. And then it's Thursday. What does that mean? Jane Pickett is going to join us from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket answering all of your pet questions. You can get pet questions in throughout the morning. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Some calls coming in. Can I start with um, traffic? We've had a number of calls in on uh, this, including this WhatsApp um, saying, uh, Hi Patricia, could you tell people that the traffic is at a standstill on the way into the Dunkettle roundabout due to an accident? There is a huge tailback from the Fermoy direction, and I'm told it was an accident earlier at the Bloomfield Junction, still causing problems at what nearly half past 10 so beware of that if you're heading into the city you have to go anywhere near the Dunkettle roundabout huge tailback and it is still in place let me stay on traffic because the listener says Patricia the congestion in Mallow is set to get worse with the future closure of the Mallow Bridge the northbound lane that we've been talking about this week on the programme it really seems as if no one is seriously trying to improve the situation in Mallow Town the councillors that we choose to elect to act on our behalf should be working tirelessly to find a solution to improving the flow of traffic could the council in Mallow not be given permission to employ a traffic warden to fine offenders not leaving the yellow boxes free once the lights have changed. 
Could they also not arrange for CCTV to be installed at traffic lights at the bottom of the town? The money generated could be utilised by the council. It's an ongoing problem which is affecting the traders on the main street but no one seems to be addressing the problem. Stop wondering how to solve it and start making plans, says this uh, texter. And you have kind of hit the nail on the head with one of the biggest problems for the build-up of traffic delays is to do with people who go into that yellow box and when we all did our driving lessons and we all did our driving tests, you know that when you approach the yellow box, you do not enter it unless your exit is clear. But for some reason, the yellow box that's on Mallow, on the approach to Mallow Bridge coming from the town or coming from the park road, Everyone seems to ignore that it's even there and the traffic just builds up and it is so frustrating for other people then that are in traffic because the lights go green, you can't go anywhere because the box is blocked up and uh, everything comes to a standstill. Could they start fining people? Maybe they could. Maybe that's the, the way to go. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. And Maris says... Great news this morning, Patricia, about the McCroom bypass. Well done to both Minister Michael Creed and Councillor Michael Creed ensuring this project started. It really is fantastic news for Cork and Kerry and indeed for the whole county. There, there is no doubt, but the Creeds are outstanding public reps. You can't beat honesty and hard work. Well done men. And that comes in from Morris and I know Minister for Agriculture Michael Creed you could hear the delight in his voice he's on our news uh, today welcoming uh, what was signed off yesterday. The McCroom is to finally, finally, finally get its long awaited uh, bypass and actually Michael Creed himself has been campaigning throughout his entire political career for the development of the project so obviously for that reason he is he really is uh, thrilled and it's a massive road uh, project it's going to bring huge benefits to the area I mean the most obvious ones will be things like road safety and it will reduce uh, journey times but it's going to remove that all of that congestion from McCroom Town and that's going to have a knock on effect from an economic point of view and from a social point of view for both the people of the town and for the hinterland so it's it certainly is a good news story. It is now eight years after on board Panola granted planning permission for the scheme. Planning documents, which are now almost a decade old, predicted that by 2027, the new bypass will handle around 11,200 vehicles a day to the west of McCroom and between 9,500 and 11,500 vehicles per day on the bypass section in McCroom. Once construction work begins, it's expected to take three and a half years to complete, but it's understood that the McCroom bypass section will be built and opened before the western section uh, is completed. So certainly a good, good news story. 1850 Bernie's taking your calls. She's sitting in for John Paul. Or you can text her WhatsApp 0862103103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 Yesterday, family carers from all over the country staged a protest outside Leinster House to voice their frustration that last week's budget failed to take meaningful steps to tackle the home care crisis. Joining me from family carers 
Ireland is Catherine Cox. Good morning to you, Catherine. Morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Actually, when I was teeing up the programme today, I mentioned um, your, the protest that you held yesterday and in particular, a photograph that is quite heartbreaking that's making a lot of the papers of uh, Jacinta Fortune from the Navin Road who got inside the cage which I think I, I think is a very clever use of the word caged that you're using. Mm. And I was making the point that for many family carers, they feel like they're caged in their own houses, don't they? Absolutely. And that's why we use it. Um, and the, the caged actually stands for um, carers against government exploitation and denial. Um, so that's the C-A-G-E-D. And we use the cage to, to exactly depict that, that many carers feel trapped sometimes in their homes without any respite breaks, but also many are trapped in poverty because they don't get the carers allowance, so they can't get payment. They can't go out and work in the, the workforce like many others. Um, and then others are trapped by bills, trapped by additional costs. So uh, the, the cage and the trap was, I suppose, to depict all of that, but also to send a clear message to government as well that how just how angry and frustrated carers were with the budget last week. Um, because we had asked for a number of things. We had asked for the income disregard for carers' allowance to be increased. We didn't get that. Um, we had asked for uh, additional hours of home care. Now, they did put into the system an additional one million hours of home care. And you see, when, actually, that, when that got announced... Yeah. And when you see yeah. that on paper, you think, oh, that's not fantastic. One million additional hours. That will go nowhere. Absolutely. You would need 4.4 million additional hours just to meet the current waiting list and demand that there is. Um, there are 7,500 families across Ireland on a waiting list for home care, you know, today. So so that one million hours will be, in one sense, a drop in the ocean for that. Um, now, we also look for other things. We've asked this just move ar- so, just just move around a little bit. Your phone is just oh, breaking up slightly. Yeah, sorry. Okay, you looked. Than... Yeah, that's perfect. You yeah. looked for other things. We we looked for a government to end this. Okay, no, you're. Is it a mobile you're on, Catherine? It is. Yeah, it's it's breaking up slightly. It was it was perfect um, there for a while. Okay, let me see. Yeah, is it any better that's better there. there. Yeah, okay, just stay okay. stay exactly there. Okay, I stay here. So we, we looked for government to end this postcode lottery of services and supports that's in place for carers at the moment. Explain and what you mean by that. Yeah, so where you live basically determines what you will or what you won't get as a family carer. So if I live in Cork, I might get quite good respite. But if I live down the road in Kerry, that might be very poor. Um, again, the same thing around training for carers counselling, emotional support for carers. So it's completely inconsistent and inequitable. So we have said that if carers could access basic supports and services in their community when they need them, that would make their lives a a lot easier. Um, And they can do that for about 3.2 million per year, which is pittance when you look at the fact that carers save to say 10 billion every year. So, you know, that should be a no-brainer. But again, that did, that wasn't forthcoming in the budget either. So now the, the so, one the one place where carers were mentioned in in the budget was there was an increase in the number of hours a carer can work yes. outside of the home. It went from fifteen hours to eighteen and a half hours a week. Yes. In and in reality, is what does that mean for somebody? So look, at that is something we have lobbied for for many years, and we welcome it because it means that 
quite often a carer, particularly maybe somebody caring for a child with a disability, where their child might be in school um, or in day care, say, during the day. So that carer might be able to work outside the home and up their income a little bit and still get their carer's allowance. So up to now, it was up to 15 hours. It'll go up to 18 and a half hours in January. Okay. We absolutely welcome that. However, we had asked that at the same time as doing that, they would increase the income disregard for carers' allowance. Because now what will happen is, in many cases, if a carer ups their hours, that may push them over the income disregard and they may then reduce their carers' allowance. So it's almost giving it with one and taking and it back, taking it back with, you. with the, the other. The income disregard, when was that last looked at? 11 years ah. since that has increased. So, you know, the cost of living, inflation, minimum wage, everything has gone up, yet carers have gone backwards in that sense because it's still at 33250 for uh, a single person and 665 for a couple, which may seem, you know, uh, generous, or some people would say it's generous, but when you have costs of care in a home, you have medical costs, heating costs, you have all those additional travel to hospital bills that come in when you're caring for somebody. When you take all of those into account, um, that money doesn't go very far in terms of caring for somebody, particularly somebody with high needs. And because of that means testing, how many carers actually get the carers allowance? So only one in four. So we've about 355,000 carers in the country. Only about 80,000 of those actually get carers allowance. And that's mainly because of the means test. Now, not all of those 355,000 are full-time carers, um, but they would all be providing a certain level of care. And many would be providing over 50 hours a week. And in yeah. some cases, over 100 hours per week. And of course, the ticking time bomb that we have are older people who are acting as as carers, in in particular, for example, parents. You know, you can have parents in their 80s looking after their 50-year-old son. Absolutely. And probably for them, their biggest worry is what happens. Okay, Catherine's disappeared on us uh, again. Are you there, Catherine? No, are you there? Yeah, it's it just it just went again. Yeah, the biggest worry for the, for the older parents is, is is what, what happens, happens when they're gone. Yes, when, when they're, they're gone. gone, and that All is right. a huge concern. Um, and they try and put a little bit of money aside, savings, and then they're penalised for that um, by when they apply for carers' allowance if their savings are over a certain amount that's taken into account for carers' allowance. So they really can't win. Damned if they do and damned if they don't. Yeah, we were calling yesterday, we're saying, don't penalise, recognise carers. You know, the work that they do, the savings to the state, they should be supported and recognised and not all the time penalised. And the other thing that I mentioned earlier, Catherine, for the vast majority of carers who were supporting what you were doing yesterday, many couldn't make that journey, many couldn't go outside all in because no one to look after their, their person they're minding. Indeed. And you know what we say for those people and we completely recognise that, that if they go onto our website, uh, familycarers.ie, and they sign a petition that we have, which was supporting the carers who did get to go uh, uh, to the march yesterday. So if they sign that petition and we are handing in those um, signatories then to the minister as well. So we had about 2,000, I think, uh, up to yesterday evening but we want to get to 10,000 signatories on that as well so, so family encourages many people familycarers dot ie dot ie and and, yeah. and did you hear some I, I suppose every time you go out on a day like that do you end up hearing some heartbreaking stories from, from oh, we, families we, we do we do indeed um, and there were so many carers 
there yesterday, you know, particularly Jacinta, as you say, who, who got into the cage. But there was, you know, there was, there's hundreds, there's thousands of those stories. And actually, I'm here in Dublin this morning. We have a conference launching in the next few minutes. And it's a, a research around the impact of caring on a carer's physical and mental health and well-being. Um, and again, some shocking figures coming out of that around lack of respite, lack of support. A very uh, a new figure that is quite worrying is that 35% of family carers themselves are victims of either verbal or physical abuse from the person they're caring for. And that's due to, you know, maybe challenging behavior from the person they're caring for, or maybe they're caring for somebody with Alzheimer's or intellectual disability. But it does show you that carers need to be safeguarded. Carers need to be protected as well, and they need to be supported. And a huge number of them close to burnout, uh, Catherine. That's the reality. I'll let you get back to that conference this night. Okay. I, I, thanks a million for joining us. Pleasure thanks as so always to talk to you. Thanks, Patricia. Bye bye. bye, 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 bye. Familycarers.ie if you want to sign that online petition and uh, support carers. Our thanks uh, once again to Catherine Cox of Family Carers Ireland. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862-103-103. Operation Transformation has probably been one of the most successful reality shows on our screens in recent years with many local communities getting involved in events. The application deadline for the new season is fast approaching and joining me to encourage people to sign up is the medical expert on the team and that's Dr. Sumi Dunn. Good morning to Sumi. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, How are you? I'm very well. You're welcome to the programme. I have to say, I was blown away when I realised yesterday that this is season 13 of Operation Transformation. It's it's been incredible. It's been going so long. Why do you believe the programme appeals to so many people? I think the programme appeals, Patricia, because it's so doable. It's something that any one of us can do. And it's cost neutral. So when you look at the programme around the food elements, how to improve our nutrition, the exercise elements, also the support from Eddie and the community. It's a very doable program and people are drawn to that together with the fact it's just real life people. It's you, it's me, it's anyone in the community that may have had a struggle around gaining weight and trying to lose weight as well. But what we're really, really about is that we're not just a weight loss program. We are a total health journey and I think that's what's kept its appeal over the intervening series. And I think that really came across uh, last year. I mean, the leaders opening up with their own stories, which are so touching and it's so incredibly brave of them. And I think last year, the young mother, Jean from Limerick, I mean, she moved the nation. Absolutely. I mean, they were all incredible leaders. You know, when we looked at them all, you know, they stood out amongst the crowd. And Jean and her personal story and sharing that with us and sharing it with the nation was really quite something. I've said this before. She, you know, she turned me to tears. It was just so raw and the emotion was just so palpable for all of us. Uh, But as we know, we've got a great, happy outcome. 
yeah. is a new mother to baby Brayden. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations to her and her family. It's fantastic. It really yeah. is. Uh, it's, it's such a gorgeous story. And then the other, uh, the I just can't remember the name of the gentleman who was running the business and was just working every Absolutely. hour. Absolutely. God sends. Uh, he o- opening up on his mental health issues. So many people could have identified with that. Completely. Completely. And we're all running on this hamster wheel. And I think that's, again, something so identifiable. You're up, you're out, you're working, you're providing. You have to get home. You're up, you're out, you're working, you're providing. You have to get home. And then, you know, where is that time for yourself? And, you know, does your health become the consequence of that, both physical and mental health? And for him to have that story and to share that again was so powerful. I think loads and, you know, and loads of people were moved by that. Mm-hmm. So it's healthy eating along with uh, fitness is, is all uh, all promoters. But what do you say to people, Sumi, who will be arguing, oh, my life is too busy, couldn't possibly incorporate the exercise? You know, it's, <clears throat> it's something that you can work through the day. And, you know, when we're looking at the exercise programmes that are designed, it's starting from a baseline of, okay, I might not be doing anything at the moment, to moving it through to doing something. So let's look at walking to work. Is it possible? Let's look at using the stairs. How about a few squats through the day? When I get in, while we've still got a little bit of brightness, can I get out for the walk with the children? All-inclusive. I'm a big fan of getting the whole family involved. Do I have dogs to take out for a walk? All of that Give yourself half an hour to 40 minutes. We're not asking you to hit the gym for two, three hours a day. It's all, what can I do within my working day that it makes it possible? If I'm going to pick the kids up, can I walk them to school and walk them back? Is that possible? Is it safe or the road safe enough to do that? So it is possible. It just possibly needs a rethink of how the day is going. Absolutely. So what do you say to people, uh, Sumi, today to encourage them to put their names forward for the, for the new season? Because I mentioned this earlier, there are probably people listening to us who have watched some of one of the other series or many of the other series who would have looked at it and thought, mm, yeah, that might be for me. But they, it, 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 you've got to be very brave to do it as well. Absolutely. I mean, there is there is that, you know. People are standing up and they're revealing themselves in all aspects of their lives, not only to ourselves, but to the nation. And that can be very daunting. But what I will say for anyone just sitting on that fence is do it. We are 100% behind you. We're there to support you. You'll have our full attention through the duration of the program. And also, importantly, you'll be left with tools to carry on the journey once the program ends. So if you're sitting on that fence and you're not annoyed by hearing my voice week after week after week, do it. <laughs> the one criticism I have heard down through the years is the, the fact that the leaders have to come out and get up on the weighing scales and they're in their underwear. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you have a view on that as to, you know, they, they could be wearing tracksuits? This is an ongoing debate and we hear it year after year. Uh, I think, you know, for the program and as it works, the, the format has stayed the same. There could be modification, but for the moment, I do believe it, it is still going to be, you know, like aware coming out for season 2020. And that, too, can be very daunting for people. But I wouldn't let that put people off. Okay. Do you, as one of the experts, do you get to pick the leaders or are they just presented to you at the end? We get the lovely pleasure of meeting 
20 shortlisted candidates. So as the team, we get to meet the final 20 who are then shortlisted down further to the final five. So it is a complete group decision as to who makes it to the final five. Difficult task? Very difficult. Last year was immensely difficult. However, as you know, and as I've already said, our five leaders just had that shine or something there that just touched every one of us individually. Yeah. Did I read somewhere that the closing date is this Sunday? It is, Patricia. It's Sunday, the 20th of October. So anyone out there, if you're thinking about it, go ahead, please apply. You know, the next step then... Let's see where you go from there. And I know that the uh, the producers really want to make sure that they've got people from all over the country and we've had some great contestants from Cork and we're really hoping we get another Cork leader at this year. Listen, Absolutely. Sumi, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thank you. And Thank thanks you for, uh, for joining us. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Dr. Sumi Dunn. Uh, Somebody saying, when is it? When is the series on? It's, it's January, isn't it? It always starts in uh, January. But Operation Transformation, if it is something that you think or you have been thinking about it. I have this gut feeling that a lot of people soul search about it before they finally sign up. You have until next Sunday. There's breaking news. A deal on Brexit has finally been reached between the EU and the UK in Brussels. Jean-Claude Juncker has tweeted where there is a will there is a hashtag deal. We have one, he said. It's a fair and a balanced agreement for the EU and the UK. And it's testament, he said, to our commitment to find solutions. Uh, and he recommends that the uh, EU endorses the deal. So we are getting closer, folks. More on this in News at 11. And in great to hear that the EU and Great Britain have finally agreed a deal and agreed a deal again on Brexit. But, says John, and there is a but. It has to pass the British Parliament while listening to the media seems to have no chance on the numbers that Boris Johnson has, if that be the case. Back to what's right and what's wrong about this deal again. And that's from John in uh, Clonakilty, who's summing it up perfectly, uh, John. Now, it's understood that the outstanding issue on VAT and customs that's what was certainly the sticking block up to yesterday. That's been concluded. Uh, a team of EU negotiators and UK negotiators brought the deal over the line in the last hour on the basis, on the basis that Downing Street is happy with it. It'll have to be seen how it'll play out over the next while. And the deep and the, the DUP are they going to be on board? It cannot be guaranteed if the House of Commons will support the deal. But clearly, the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson must have conveyed enough assurances to the EU that he'd get it over the line, or otherwise they wouldn't be out saying that they have a deal. The EU leaders and the teams and the lawyers will now look at the text to see what it uh, involves. And as this, as I mentioned before, news at eleven, the European Commission President. Jean-Claude Juncker was first out with a tweet and literally he tweeted at 10.34 and then at 10.35 the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson described it by way of a a tweet as a great new Brexit deal. This is what Boris says. We have a great new deal that takes back control. Now Parliament should get Brexit done on Saturday so we can move on to the other priorities at the cost of living, the NHS, violent crime and our environment. So we will wait and see. But yeah, it's it's back now. It's back now in the hands of the parliamentarians in Westminster for them to decide. And there's enough of them 
who are not happy with Boris Johnson and I have a funny feeling may not be happy with this deal at all and I suppose as the day goes on and the coming days and coming weeks more and more detail will come out about what's in, what's good, what's the good, the bad and the ugly and then for all of us it's a wait and see because nobody really knows what a world looks like post-Brexit. We're all fearful that our that our own cost of living is going to go up and there's worries and concerns about some items being in short supply. I think the medicine one is the one that really frightens me the most and there's always been the threat that there will be some medicines that won't be available and that certainly is a scary uh, prospect. But if there's a deal, we need to now get on with it. So time will tell. Will it pass Westminster? But they seem to be a step closer to the United Kingdom leaving the EU. 1850-333-103. Other thoughts coming in. I was talking about traffic congestion earlier and somebody texted in about the yellow boxes and how drivers, for whatever reason, when they learn to drive, everybody respects the yellow box. But then as people continue driving because one car in front decides to enter the yellow box sure I might as well enter, enter the yellow box as well and it ends up with traffic gridlock and the person who called in was to do with the yellow box that really nobody seems to pay any notice to that's on Mallow Bridge and it's, it adds to I'm not saying it's the only problem with traffic flowing over the bridge but it certainly adds to it Martin in Formoy says Patricia there is a yellow box in Formoy by the Centra store it might as well not be there at all It what a waste just a few feet beyond it, there's a pedestrian crossing. There is no way that drivers can judge it. It's unbelievable to think that so-called smart people decided to put the two things so close together in a very busy town for traffic. So says Martin in Formoy. Thank you for that, Martin. And by WhatsApp, a West Cork listener says, Morning Patricia, regarding the budget and the announcement that there was to be free GP visit cards for up to eight year olds. Do you know how do I apply for it? Is it a form I must get from the GP that I then need to fill in? Thank you love listening to your programme. I'm assuming that you've got a child who's just under eight at the moment. Uh, It isn't in yet. It's been spoken about and they're talking about introducing it next year. I think it's the back end of next year. I mean obviously negotiations have to start with the GPs So it's one of those proposals that's on the table. So if your child is close to being eight, I might have disappointed news for you in that your child may already be over the age limit by the time that it is introduced. But as to how you apply, as far as I know, you don't apply for any of those free GP cards. I'm open to correction if any any of the young mothers out there who've had children who have had the free GP card for the 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 smallies and the under sixes can let us know. As far as I know, it's linked to your child's PPS number so they know the the information is there as to what age a child is and so I would assume that it gets sent out to you because it's not means tested, everybody's entitled to it so they don't need you filling in any forms saying, you know, how much income is coming into the house, etc. But I am open to questions on that. So if anybody else can tell me when of the people who do have free GP cards for their smaller children, did you have to apply or am I right in assuming that it just automatically comes out to you? But to anybody waiting for up for their eight-year-olds, it isn't in yet and as soon as we get any more details as when as to when it will come in, I'll bring it to you. 1850 Today, Thursday, the 17th of 
October's International Credit Union Day. So happy International Credit Union Day to all uh, our local credit unions. And we've got many, many very successful local credit unions. And today is the day when credit unions are to finally challenge the banks with the launch of current accounts. Now, there's been a lot of talk about this for many, many years. The move has been years in the making as the sector has struggled to win approval from the regulators for the attempts to try to offer customers an alternative to the banks. Now, 30 of the largest credit unions have launched this new full service current account. It means they'll be able to compete with banks for the day-to-day banking services. The central bank has given the approval. The new move will see the lenders offering a MasterCard debit card. That will mean free point of sale and contactless payments, freestanding orders, debit processing and mobile and internet banking. Now there will be a monthly fee. The monthly fee will be four euro. There will also be an overdraft facility. First time ever the credit unions have been offering over um, have been offering overdrafts. The app is to be rolled out, something that I think it's been standard now for most people who have a current account. Most people access all of their banking online through an app. So the credit union will follow suit with that. Some credit unions have debit cards and have limited credit cards. But this new move represents the first time that they're coming together to offer a central bank approved comprehensive current account. Now, although the new offering is not seen as being cheap, and certainly isn't cheaper than the current accounts offered by some of the banks, it is thought that the high level of loyalty generated by credit unions will see many members deciding to do all of their day-to-day banking with them. You've got a lot of people in this country who are absolutely disgusted by the activities of the Main Street banks since they were bailed out. And you can see people saying, don't want to go up my bank anymore. Trust my credit union, my local credit union, I'm going to go there uh, instead. Now, as I say, it's 30 credit unions, they're some of the largest in the country. And I decided then when I saw this, I said, let's take a look and see which of the credit unions are here in Cork. So I found a list of participating credit unions. I think it's credit currentaccount.ie is where you go if you want to find yeah currentaccount.ie if you want to find out more about it. Uh, and you can click on there and it sees all it shows you the 30 credit unions that have signed up. So a quick look down to find the Cork ones, says she. Scrolling down to find the Cork ones. Who is in from Cork? The Douglas Credit Union, their main office and their one in Grange and their one in Passage West in Monkstown. They're in. The First South Credit Union, they have a number of branches. They have one in Ballyfaham. They have a Kinsale office. They have an office on the South Mall. They have an office on Turner's Cross. They're all in. Also in from Cork, the Skibbereen Credit Union, their main office. It's called Winter, isn't it? Winter. Skibbereen Credit Union. They have a main office in Skib. They also have an office in Bandon. They have an office in Skull. They're all taking part in it. Anybody else from Cork? St. Joseph's Aviation Credit Union. Where is that? That's out at the airport. They are in. Also for Cork, St. Paul's Garda Credit Union, their main office at the Synergy Credit Union. That's in Watergrass Hill and they also have a branch in Formoy and a branch in Montanotti. I think that's all of the Cork ones. Okay, so a lot of the Cork, not all of the credit unions across Cork are represented. Now, whether more will 
follow suit and whether they're going to whether it's a wait and see I don't know but as of now it is 30 is the number that is starting it and if you want to find out more they have set up creditunion.ie is where you can get all of the information if this is something that uh, you think is for you and as I say because of that immense loyalty to credit unions I think you're going to see a lot of people deciding they're going to finish with their mainstream bank and they're going to go to the credit union uh, instead 1850-333-103 Bernie's taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 C103 Jobs Part-time experienced staff required that's for a takeaway in Aherla while experienced labourer wanted to help tradespeople on a new housing development which is in Kinsale a dispatch supervisor is required for a fish company and a childminder is required for the Dunmanway area. It's 30 hours per week and a car is essential. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, Tusla, the organisation that provides a statutory fostering service to the public, say you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect foster carer. What you must have is a strong desire to provide a child with a nurturing environment in which they can develop. So with a campaign to enrol more foster parents this week, I'm joined by Sarah Healy Coffey, who is a fostering social worker based in Skibbereen. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning, Patricia. Yeah, How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. And I know you're joining us from, uh, there's an information stand in Bandon today and we'll mention that in, in a moment. But I suppose start by describing what, who you believe makes the ideal foster carer. I suppose there would be lots of misconceptions around who people would consider as being ideal foster carers. I suppose the message we want to get out today is that we're looking for foster carers and we're looking for, from, for people from all different walks of life um, and we're looking for people you know I suppose people that would approach us um, they very often um, have you know from very different socio-economic backgrounds um, you'd have people who've been who've gone to school who didn't go to school who went on to third level education um, we'd have sole carers we'd have same sex carers we'd have people you know from the travelling community we have different ethnicities um, it's just really all walks of life uh, we would consider anybody that I suppose really has an empathy and a, a level of commitment and a kindness and a sensitivity uh, of, towards children and, and want to give um, children um, that opportunity um, to live within when they're no longer able to live within their own homes, to live within a family setting. Is there an age limit? On, on, no, no, no age limit. And, you know, Tusla was very aware that there's been lots of kind of barriers and roadblocks around yeah. um, misconceptions. And I suppose one of the things would have been people would have, would have considered age, would have felt that the age, there's no age limit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the other one, I think, is the somebody parenting alone. I mean, I, I think everyone was of the view, oh, in order to be a foster carer, it's foster parents they're looking for and that you have to have a mum and a dad in the house. And that's not the case. No, it's not the case. I mean, if you look at our families, 
situation now socially. They're different, they're more blended and we're, we need to move with the times around what what we're looking for. And I, I work, uh, as you know, I'm based in the West Cork area. I work with the most amazing um, foster carers, but I have a number of soul carers who are just amazing and do amazing work. So, you know, and the other misconceptions as well, I mean, you know, from us doing recruiting, we've been actively recruiting in the Cork area and county for the last two years, um, and we would have had we've run we run a monthly information um, session in our own building in the Besborough building in yeah, Cork every yeah. month, um, and our next one is the thirteenth of November um, in the Besborough Centre um, in the Vita building, and, and that's really just to answer people's questions and if they have if they're interested they can come to that and, and just find very, out very more yeah find more, out more about it more but I suppose kind of some of the roadblocks and barriers would have been around people who felt that you know they had to have an education they had to have a job they had to own their own house and um, they also felt that you know, somebody had to be at home full time. Yeah, that is not the case, Patricia. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I was, I was wrong on that one as well. I thought that you know you had to have the the ideal mammy and daddy, and the daddy went out to work, and the mammy was at home for, for for the child who required fostering. But that's not the case. No, no, it's not. Because the child, of course, will be going off to school as well. So, and and are, are there always children who need fostering? Absolutely, absolutely. We have four hundred and sixty foster carers in Cork. Um, and we are actively, as I said, recruiting for the last two years. So we are looking all the time for new foster carers, you know, to come and um, support children that do that do come into that need um, a loving home, you know. So um, and typically, how long will a child stay with a family? You know, that varies. It and everything is really very much tailored towards the child's needs. Okay. We have different types of care. Um, like we'd have what we would call like short term care. It's kind of it's not a long term arrangement. It might be where a parent might need need some short term support mm. for their child. And we have things like long term placements. Then when um, we'd be looking for somebody to support a child for the length of time that they are in the care of the state. Then we'd have respite care. We're always looking for people that can give respite care. And that's kind of can cover short term as well. Um, and it might be, you know, something unexpected or maybe just day support for for some families. Yeah. Um, you'd have emergency care placements as well. It's kind of when something when a when a child might come in unexpectedly and it's not planned. It's not a planned um, situation, you know. So like we have different types of care. And very much we listen to people that are interested in fostering or that are fostering. We we listen to them and how they can see where they can fit into the system, what supports they can give, um, you know. And, and are, there, are there children with disabilities? Yes. And mm. I mean, we would actively be recruiting as well for, you know, people that would have a skill set around um, children with disabilities. I mean, as I said, all walks of life, um, you know. And I, I would say to people... Just don't underestimate your own abilities and skills and what you what you could offer or what your family has to offer um, to a child or a young person. You know, uh, I, I think it really, and I, I loved, um, you know, I was reading what Bernard Gloucester, the chief executive at Tusla, had said, and he said it only takes one person to change a child's life. 
And that's something we hear day in and day out in our work while working on the ground when supporting foster carers. You know, we just hear some of the most humbling stories, really. Um, and the people, are foster carers are just amazing. I suppose their empathy and what they give to these children, their sensitivity, their resilience, their tolerance, it's just, it's phenomenal, really. Yeah, I know I was talking, uh, I, I actually personally know a young One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Girl who has come through the... Uh, fostering a system and was fostered by an amazing woman not from this area now from another part of the country and to hear her talk about her foster mother she calls her mam and everything uh, now and how she changed and turned her life around and how different her life could have been only that she she came to this front door on this particular day and it, it ended up being a long term fostering situation and as an adult now she remains in, in that family she's very much a part of that family and it's just it's everything that's good about fostering it's, it, it, it really is, is fantastic uh, to see and, and also um, Sarah never underestimate the benefits the whole, whole family benefits from fostering mm-hmm. isn't that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely absolutely like you really you're introducing them to your children, you know, who will be support for them when they become adults, you know, the extended family, your brothers, your sisters, grandparents, you know, and I suppose, you know, so as I said, extended family, really, you know, and making connections, you know, and they have, you know, connections within different communities. I suppose particularly I'll talk about because I work in West Cork, you know, they become very integrated into the smaller communities very quickly in par- and feel belong- they feel they belong to some of these communities. Now, I suppose the thing is we're always looking at um, supporting the children as best we can and I suppose, uh, the, the, it, you know, we'd be looking at reunification. That's kind of the purpose, but, but only if it's in the child's best. Best interest, interest, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jane says, uh, hi Patricia, can foster parents work? I've got two children, but they're at a childminder three days a week. Could a foster child row in with them or uh, would I not be, not be able to foster? Well, as I said, fo- foster carers can work 
and we'd have a lot of foster carers that both work, like, you know, where you might have a couple that work full time and they're out of the home. What would happen in that uh, instance is that we'd tailor sort of, we'd match around your availability. So, for example, that lady wouldn't be given a newborn baby. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. would be asking her to support a newborn baby, but we'd be looking at her availability and what would work within their own um, lifestyle. Uh, and that's very important, you know. Um, one of my colleagues actually in the in the fostering resource unit in Cork came up with a fabulous slogan. And mm-hmm. I think it really kind of embodies our work and what we do. And the slogan is kind of, and, and we've been using it quite a lot because it's just, it just really resonates with everybody and anybody. And it's kind of a slogan because it's time in your life, room in your home and a place in your heart. Mm. And that I think that captures it very it well. It does. It does. It does. You know? So, so Jane isn't disbarred from becoming a foster carer no. just because she works three days a no. week. So you would say to Jane, reach out and I'd say to Jane, come on November the thirteenth to the Visa Building in the Besborough. fostering resource unit in Besborough and like have a chat it, and have a chat. And it's you know it's very informative. They cover all the questions, the ins and outs, the upside downs, and it's very very detailed. And we'd also have, as part of that, we'd have two of, of the fostering team, but we also have a foster carer who's been fostering for over 20 years. Like a lot of our carers, we have new carers coming on board all the time, but we also have carers who are doing this for 20 know, and 30 I know. years. They're amazing. You know, they they they're are amazing. And of course, are. the minute you mention fostering to, to anyone, and particularly if you're talking to somebody who's been doing it for many, many years, I suppose the one question that they constantly get, get asked, is it heartbreaking when the child leaves the family and goes back to their own family? Or is there, I imagine there's more of a sense of satisfaction that you've made a difference. I think it's the satisfaction. You've done a really good job, you know, and you've been able to support that child during that time when they're away from their own family and you're able to support them to transition back to their own family, you know. And it's foster carers that that are able to do that and do it very well. It has the best outcome for the children, really, you know. And I so at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. We're child-centred. It's what's in the best interest of, for the child, for the children that we're working with. You know, uh, a text in saying, Patricia, I'm 60 years of age, but I'm young at heart. I'd love to foster. My family are all grown up now. Would I be considered? Absolutely. Hey, well, there you go. There's another one See for you. you. on the 13th yeah. of November. 13th of November. Now, and before, if people can't make the 13th of November, is there, is there a number people can call? And There is. There is. Um, the, there's a national number and it's 1800. It's a free phone number. It is. two two six. Seven seven one. Okay, eighteen hundred two two six seven seven one. If people want to bring that number, teenagers, uh, Sarah, mm-hmm. I, are they the hardest to place? We've all went through raising our own teenagers and know how difficult it can be. You know, just... that's actually a brilliant question. Um, we have foster carers who only work with teenagers. Wow. So you know, it's really again, it's very much tailored around your own skill set, what you think you would be able to manage and be able to support where your confidence is in us. And we listen to that when we're working with um, people who've decided to, to foster, you know. Now, our training is quite, a, 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 you know, intensive as well. And, and once you come through the system, you know, we, we do a preparation training with you. Then we do an assessment, which is quite detailed. But throughout your career as a foster carer, we provide um, training 
um, okay. on a yearly basis that, you know, because you'll, you'll be personally developing your own skills all the time, you know, so like as a need arises and each child that comes into your, your home um, will bring different, uh, you know, are, are indiv- they're also individual. They'll, they'll bring different things to your home and you might find that you need to develop something, your, your skill set around a particular area. You know, and so we we are constantly looking at our our training and trying to develop it further and and enhance it. And we listen to our carers as well, you know, um, to what they they feel they need, um, and that that's kind of important. And I think what is brilliant is something that I know a lot of my colleagues who are fast who've been working in the foster resource unit for a long time is they've been looking for a number um, where foster carers can get support after five o'clock because that's another misconception that once five o'clock comes there's no support there but they're just rolling out since the first of November and a number where there is support after six o'clock up until 7 a.m. in the morning now what I suppose we've been very lucky in Cork is that they've always rolled something out at bank holiday weekends where one of us one of um, me or my colleagues would be on call on the bank holiday weekends, but now this has gone nationwide, and that's because we've listened to our carers and we've listened to. And it was and it was needs. Sarah one of the complaints that at times some foster carers felt they weren't supported. So it's good to know that as you say that they, they've been listened to. Yes, that's yes, terrific. Yes. That's terrific. We're, we're we're you know all the time we're advancing and we're changing. Um, you know, and we're listening to the carers because I, I always said they are on the ground. They're there twenty four seven. You know, so we need to take on board what they what they bring to us, and, and we we do, and we try very hard to anyway. You know. Okay. Um, and I know that you know the emotional support is there. There is financial support through the there's a foster um, allowance, and each I, I assume each foster child has a medical card as well, so there isn't expenses there is. like that incurred. There is. Yeah. There is. There is. Um, okay. So a child gets foster allowance and they get a medical card. Um, and I suppose there there will be other supports as well, depending on the child's needs again, you know. Okay. Um, and and should, that's important. I mean, people like... No I, one goes into it for the money, but they shouldn't be They shouldn't be disadvantaged. That's the, okay. that's the point I was going to make. It's not driven by financial uh, financially at all. And that's another misconception. Some people say it is. It actually isn't. No. No, you know, and I know from working with people on the ground, you know what what drives them is, you know, it's just and very often people just want to give back. Listen, I've, I've interviewed enough fantastic foster parents over the years, and there's, there's never been one that went into it uh, to get paid for it. That's for sure. Uh, somebody obviously who's just joined our interview says, "Is there an age limit to foster?" I'm in my fifties and I'm single. No, there isn't. You'll be <laughs> you, you'll be very welcome to one eight hundred two two six seven seven one are the 13th of November to the building in Besber? At 7pm. 7pm. Yeah. All right. And you are in, there's an information stand. Are you there today? Or are there's, we are. Yeah. We are. There's myself and my colleague um, are here today till um, for the whole day, for the duration of the day okay. in Bandon. Now, there would have been, there are, there also, um, there will be one in Douglas Court tomorrow as well. Um, Douglas Court Shopping Centre. And my other colleagues in the city have one in Man Point today as well. Okay. So, like we've we've been, I suppose, because it's National Fostering Week, we've 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 rolled out as much as we possibly can within the Cork City and the, the county area, just to get the um, message out there. 
Yes, and yeah. although we've had, you know, we set up a recruitment team for the last two years, so we have been actively recruiting. Right. Um, and, you know, we're, uh, but we're, we're trying all the time to be creative around bringing the message out to people that, you know, we are actively recruiting. We need new foster carers. We need them from all walks of life. Um, we will train. We support. There's emotional support. There's financial support. Um, and I suppose the main thing is don't, you know, really underestimate what your skill and your ability and what you have to offer. Yeah, you know? I think that's the message to drive to, to drive home today. And in the it ideal is. world, we'd have more foster carers than children that need the place. Listen, Sarah, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Good luck you with your day pleasure. today in Thank Abandon. You. And thanks, Can I leave you with the earth slogan from you my can, colleague? You can. So well, yeah. if there's anybody out there and they have time in their life, room in their home or a place in their heart, contact us or let's see you on the 13th of November in Bedford at 7pm. Well done. On that positive note, we'll leave it. Thank you for that, Thank Sarah. You. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Bye-bye. Sarah Healy-Coffey, who is a fostering social worker based in Skibbereen, but today she finds herself at an information stand at the Riverview Shopping Centre in Bandon. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And it's time for this week's Guard the File. I'm joined in a studio by Sergeant Tony Cronin, uh, based at Mallow Guard the Station. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning. And uh, you're very welcome. Okay, you uh, want to start with arrests that were made uh, with the, this was the murder of um, poor uh, Peter Murphy, may rest in peace, in Wing in 2015. Yes, uh, Patricia, um, Peter Murphy um, died in the month of February 2015 where we believe that he was murdered uh, in his home in Shanavohar in Boeing. And as late as yesterday, there was two arrests made in this investigation and okay. the two um, males have been released since. The investigation is still ongoing and um, the Gardaí would like to thank the public for their assistance and their further assistance in the future with this investigation, which is still ongoing. OK, it's over four years ago now, which is it's, it's hard to believe. Yes, uh, around 5th or 6th of February uh, 2015, this murder occurred, so we're nearly four and a quarter years into it. So again, anyone who may have any bit... And any information still hasn't passed it on. Yes, would, we'd like to hear from anyone who has any... Um, whether it is a major piece of uh, um, information or a small piece or whether they think it is insignificant or not, please contact your local Garda station or Mallow Garda station at 022 31450. They'd be delighted to hear from you as um, we're endeavouring to solve this uh, murder and the in- I stress the investigation is still ongoing. OK, now an incident that we spoke about yesterday here on the programme was this car that was found uh, burnt out the previous night in Canturk. Yes, Patricia, this happened on Tuesday the 15th of October last last Tuesday night and it happened at 5 to 9 at night. Now, in this location in O'Brien Street, it's very uh, close to the, the bridge in the town and you have the link road fr- coming from the Mallow direction and you have the road coming from the Newmarket direction. Busy spot. Busy, busy spot. So there would be plenty of people in the vicinity of uh, O'Brien Street at this section where a car was set on fire outside um, a premises on O'Brien Street. Now, the car, we believe, was um, a Renault Laguna, possibly silver in colour, and someone had to drive it there. It didn't just appear at at the scene. So we believe that a male uh, brought this car to the scene and subsequently exited from the 
car on foot and they made their getaway from the location. And you believe that the male drove just before the car went on fire or wasn't parked there for a long time? We don't believe it was parked there for a long period. Okay. But we are aware that a um, person left the, the vehicle and that there are public houses, there are shops in this area, um, restaurants. So we'd appeal to people, you may have seen someone um, leaving the scene uh, again, it was five to nine at night. It would be dark, but there is very good public lighting there. There is, yeah. and we had reports yesterday somebody in a tracksuit. You were looking for somebody in a tracksuit. Possibly, yes. Possibly, possibly okay. yes. So All right, running away. In, from inquiry, the inquiries are still open. So what okay. we want to do is anyone that has any information, please contact your local Garda station, be it in Kenturk or in Mallow. Any phone call would be greatly appreciated. And take a look at dash cam footage if yes. you were in that area. If you were a motorist, obviously we would be looking for dash cam footage if you have it. Or in the event, if you were a pedestrian, if you have phone footage yeah. okay. of, of the vehicle. Um, and I'm assuming you've looked fire. at CCTV in the area. Yes, so we're endeavouring to check the CCTV and um, the premises that have it and any other items of uh, CCTV that we can get our hands on. So just in case we're... Um, there's someone out there that has any information or any footage of any kind, we would be delighted to get a okay. call from you. Uh, all right. Now, uh, good news in that some bu- burglaries that were solved uh, in Killa and in Yall. Yes, Patricia. And that was on the, the 13th and the 14th of um, October last. That was, we'll say, Monday of this week, whereby there was uh, two burglaries. But in this peculiar case, the second burglary had taken place and uh, the culprits were caught with the assistance of relatives of the injured party and neighbours and the Gardaí. And they brought it to a successful conclusion, but they also uh, located property from a previous burglary. Okay. So just to outline to people, the type of items that are being taken in these burglaries are ratchet spanners, uh, electric fencers, air guns, and, um, do you know, the... Um, Say the the bikes there now that are worth maybe fifteen hundred euro, you know, top of the range uh, pedal cycles. Yeah, these type of items. Yeah, people are investing a lot of money in these. In yes, these bikes. and what's uh, noteworthy in this is that these items are easy to carry. Okay, they're not bulky, they're not heavy, so mm. they're easily to transport. You can walk a distance with them and and take them to a car or a van, whatever it is. So what we would ask the, the public is. This was great work done by everybody involved, especially with the public's assistance. That if you have anything that's um, of value, to secure it, tie it down, lock it, whatever, lock it away. For whatever reason, we don't seem to think of our sheds as, we don't secure our sheds the same way as we secure our houses, which is crazy because that's yes. where these valuable equipment can be. Yeah, like a bicycle could be anything from 1,000 to 2,000 yeah. or maybe more. Yeah. You have the air guns at a couple of hundred euro, mm. you know, and the fences at a couple of hundred euro. But these are items that can be um, carried. And then sold on. And then sold on. So we just ask you, please, any items that you have that are worth um, a few bob, please tie them down, lock them down or or keep them in a a very safe place that someone can't walk in and just walk away with them. Okay. But again, also, just the time of the day, one of the burglaries was at 25 past nine in the morning. Wow. And the other was at eight o'clock at night. People just gone out to school and work. Exactly. So it's a good point just you've raised about the schools. People could be driving out of their farmyard or out of their own domestic house. And just be aware, is there someone down the road that you're not aware of? Take the number of the car mm. and, you know, if And it's everybody happens, looking it. out for each other. Like neighbours will know when such and such a house is empty because they're all gone to work, they're all gone to school. It's just looking out for each other as well. Exactly, it? because it, it works in everybody's favour. If you see my house and there's a car parked outside it and you That you know it's not yours. Exactly. Yeah. 
that person then is obviously saying that people are very vigilant in this yeah. area and yeah. it might uh, might deter them. Deter exactly. Okay, we are into the the back end now um, of October, and the, you, you can already see it's starting to get a bit chillier in the morning. But the road conditions, we've had a lot of rain. There's been a lot of surface uh, waters water. Before we get into the full blown winter, now is the time to really start thinking, isn't it? Checking checking tyres on cars, for example. Yes, Patricia, we would like to encourage people to check their tyre pressure and also check the, check the depth of the thread in the tyre. Tyres are very important. Uh, we might take it for granted, a lot of us, but especially when the roads are get, going to be uh, wetter than what they would previously have been in the last couple of months. And also, we will be heading into the period where we'll be getting some frost and ice and the, the roads. So we'd encourage you to, it's no harm to check your own car and not just check the middle of the tyre, check the wall of the tyre as well, because okay. obviously it can be very worn there and you may not realise it, the inside tyre of the tyre. So just be vigilant of that and also make sure that you check your lights are, are functioning, that you have your dims and you have your headlights working. And uh, just yeah, we we often get complaints in from people saying they were out driving and the number of cars they come against that only has one headlight working or something. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's very dangerous in a in a dark evening to be driving along because to other drivers you look like a motorcyclist. Exactly, and people can misjudge the um, the distance uh, that they have between vehicles, or they might think it's a motorbike, as you say, mm. and they might have three or four feet. They might be keeping out for a puddle or a pothole, and next thing there's a collision yeah. because they don't see the the second light on the driver's side. Also, uh, Patricia, just to be make the public aware that there will be a lot of Garda road safety operations between now and Christmas, which is less than 10 weeks away. So there'll be operations for speed, uh, operations for f- uh, mobile phone detection, drink driving, drug driving. Uh, so there'll be plenty of activity on the roads and we're publicly stating this so that the public are aware of it. Okay. So please. You have been warned. You have yeah, been warned. Is, and it only, also, is it only 10 weeks to Christmas, it is? Yes. So just also, finally, Patricia, for pedestrians and cyclists, uh, in the next two or three weeks, we'll have the changing of the time and people will go walking in the evening, coming home from work or wherever they are, and they might head off, but they might not have a fluorescent jacket on them. Please be aware that the evening is getting darker quicker now. And while you might be going out walking where there's plenty light at the minute by the time you return there might be so just be careful please yeah dig out the fluorescent jacket from last week last year if you don't have one invest in one listen Tony thank you for that have a great week that is uh, Sergeant Tony Cronin based at Malagar the station thank you to a number of people who have contacted us to tell us that there is a truck broken down on Mallow Bridge at the junction with the Park Road and it has caused traffic to come to a standstill and I've literally just got in another WhatsApp from somebody saying Arctic truck broken down just as it started Bridge Street heading into town avoid so I don't know if that is from somebody stuck in it or not but I've gone on to isn't Google Maps fantastic I've gone on to Google Maps on my phone and I can see the backlog of traffic from the bridge uh, going right the way up the main street and it goes right the way back up to Short Castle almost on to Beecher Street so I would be avoiding Mallow Bridge which could, if they don't get that truck moved, could cause problems for people collecting children from schools. Hopefully it'll get sorted, but it's been broken down now. We got our first calls in. Mm, probably about 40 minutes ago I thought maybe someone's a call like that will come in you think oh, it'll clear by the time we'll get to it so but uh, it's we're, we're getting more calls in so my sympathies to any of you listening to us who are stuck in that traffic jam at the moment try breathing try a little bit of breathing exercise 
and breathe. Okay, some of your calls coming in. We've been talking about fostering on the programme today. That's prompted a text in to say, hi Patricia. I fostered a newborn baby. This was back in the 90s. It broke my heart to have to give him, give him back. I wouldn't do it again unless I could adopt. But you see, that's the the distinct difference between adopting and fostering. When you go into fostering, you know that fostering is always child-centred. It's always focused on reuniting the child with their birth family. That's always the aim of it. Now, there have been many, many long-term fostering arrangements, some that have ended up in adoption. But you, nobody goes into fostering with the idea of adopting. They may end up adopting a much-loved foster child, but you certainly do not go into it looking for a child to uh, adopt. And yeah, heartbreaking when the child has to go back. But again, look on it the other way and just think of the difference that you made in that little, I don't know if it was a boy or girl, but in that little baby's life for that period of time when the birth family, the birth mother, whoever it was, wasn't in a position to look after the child and you reached out and gave that loving home. So, and I know it's heartbreaking for you, but, you know, see the positives and see what great work you did um, at that time. 1850 We've been talking about respite and lack of respite services. This was in our chat with Family Carers uh, Ireland and that's prompted a WhatsApp in from a listener to say, I cared for my husband for 50 years. I never expected respite from the government as I was so fortunate that my family realised that realised what my needs were and would arrange to step in when necessary. I was always extremely grateful. While I understand that there are always exceptions and some will always require respite and assistance. But what I'm thinking about and wondering, would it not be possible to encourage and assist extended family members to get more involved? It really would help and it would help to free up money to be used for the more urgent cases. Thank you for that and you are, may I say, extremely lucky that you had a loving supportive extended family who obviously live quite close to you and were in a position to be able to step in particularly if they saw that you were maybe going downhill a little bit, you were heading towards burnout, you needed a little bit of a break so you're really, really lucky but unfortunately when you look at other families and you look at the dynamics of some families. Not all families get on. Not all families are in a position that they're able to offer help. You can also have families that live very far away from each other. So therefore, would you know, from a practical point of view, would love to be able to help out but can't because they live uh, too far away. But you have very fractured families as well. People who just... Uh, for whatever reason fall out they don't get on they don't talk to this member they don't talk to that member they're not willing to help out let's call a spade a spade you also have very selfish people who don't want to help out they want to look after their own patch and they're not willing to help out with say an elderly parent or a sibling and that's that's just the fact of life but you can be very thankful and grateful and you're not on your own I imagine there's many other families listening to us and other people would have heard me read out your text who'd be nodding saying yeah I was in the same position when I needed a bit of help. My family were here for me. And there are some wonderful families who really go above and beyond the call of duty to look after, say if it's an elderly parent um, and they'll all row in and everybody helps out. And if you if you have a large family and a large supportive family where everyone is able to do their bit, then the onus doesn't fall on any one person in particular. Nobody really hits for burnout in an instant 
in an instance like that because everybody's helping everybody else out. But that obviously is the ideal world. And in the ideal world, all of the extended family would be available, as you say, to get involved and to help out. And that you are right, that would free up services for the more urgent uh, cases. But well done to your family. And I'm sure you've told them many, many times over how grateful you were for the help that they gave you. Thank you for your text and thank you for sharing that with us. 1850 333 103. Can I go back to Brexit for a moment, Michael? Patricia, I firmly believe that Boris has the numbers in the House of Commons. He has left for Brussels and furthermore, he has sidestepped the DUP and cleared everything, says Michael. So Michael is convinced that Boris Johnson will be able to get the deal over the line. Some of your texts coming in. Mary says, Patricia, I'm just wondering if there now is and will be a deal struck on Brexit, would our government ever think about having another budget and scrap the budget from last week? Kind regard, says Mary. That's a good question. That is a good question because it was a cautious budget because they were afraid of a hard budget and they were preparing for a hard budget and they said they couldn't spend any money and they couldn't give extra to anybody because of the hard, because of the danger of a hard budget. So yeah, will they come back? I don't know. My my answer is I don't know, but it would be lovely to think they might come back and do a giveaway budget. Even though I think as soon as Brexit is done and dusted, we certainly will be heading for a general election some say earlier, sooner rather than later. Depends on what political commentator you're reading. Others are saying it's going to be the summer of next year. So they, will we have to wait until this time next year for another budget? I don't know. And Sandy says there may be no UK or Northern Ireland deal without a referendum. In my opinion, as the DUP and Boris himself are capable of voting against any deal that they've negotiated themselves are failing that, his EU friend who I think is the Bulgarian president will object to it for him. Brexit deal is a real can of worms says Sandy and so say all of us on that. I decided there while the news was on just to try to take a quick look at how the British media were covering what's coming out on Brexit so where better to go than to the BBC website and this is how they're looking at it. They're again, you know, saying the same thing that we were saying at News at 12, that a deal has been uh, struck and quoting Boris Johnson, we have a great new deal that takes back control. That's how Boris is selling it. Um, The DUP, though, has cast doubts on its success, saying they still cannot support it. The Northern Ireland, the, the DUP, say they will, they released an earlier statement. Now, this was before the deal came out. The DUP had an earlier statement uh, saying that they could not back proposals as things stands. And after Boris Johnson and the EU made their announcement, they said that the statement they released this morning still stands. And that statement uh, says that they cannot support the deal. Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn, he says the deal sounded even worse than what was negotiated by the PM's predecessor, Theresa May, Labour leader is saying to all of the MPs they should reject it. And as we mentioned, Jean-Paul, Jean-Claude Juncker, the 
European Commission president. He says it's a fair deal, it's a balanced uh, agreement. And in a letter recommending the deal to the European Council, President Donald Tusk uh, wrote, it is high time to complete the withdrawal process and move on as swiftly as possible to negotiation on the European Union's future partnership with the United Kingdom. Both he and Boris Johnson have urged their respective parliaments to back the deal. And this is where we're at now. We need the EU to back it. But the bigger stumbling block, I think, is going to be getting the backing at number 10. Now, number 10 sources have told the BBC's political editor that Boris Johnson will later ask EU leaders to reject requests for an extension to the Brexit deadline of the 31st of September. Because I take you back, remember MPs in Westminster passed a law in September that requires Boris Johnson to request an extension on the 19th of October which is only days away if the Parliament hadn't agreed a deal or back to leaving without a deal by that date. So if they don't agree on this deal I mean Boris now has got to come back and get this deal agreed before the 19th and if they don't then by law he has to go and ask for an extension but he's going to ask them to turn down the the extension. God almighty where are we at? Boris Johnson's proposals for a new Brexit deal hinged on getting rid of the controversial backstop. And that was the solution that remember had been negotiated by Theresa May. Now, the chief negotiator, Michael Barnier, says the new deal rests on four main elements. The, that Northern Ireland will remain aligned to a limited set of EU re- rules, notably related to goods. That Northern Ireland will remain in the United Kingdom's custom territory but it will remain an entry point into the EU's single market, that there will be an agreement to maintain the integrity of the single market and satisfy the UK's legitimate wishes over VAT. And the fourth point is that the Northern Ireland representatives will be able to decide whether to continue applying union rules in Northern Ireland or not, and they'll be able to do that every four years. So they're not tying in future MPs into deciding you know, what gets signed on the on the dot, dotted line. Uh, Mr Barnier told a press conference in Brussels that the final point allowing for votes in the Northern Ireland Assembly, assembly if we had a normal Ireland Assembly that they could vote in, uh, was a cornerstone. He said to our newly agreed approach, the decision could be based on a simple majority rather than requiring a majority of both unionists and nationalists to support the rules in order for them to pass. And that's an interesting twist on it as well. The DUP have been in the confidence supply, of course, we know that since 2017. Um, so it looks like the DUP are not going to support but Boris Johnson also has a problem because I don't know if he has the numbers or not because if you think about there's been resignations there's been the removal of the party whip from more than 20 Tory MPs and that's just been in recent weeks so he's got a tough battle to get this deal through Parliament I can't see him getting any of the Labour MPs to vote with him. I mean, is he going to be able to turn around the more than 20 Tory MPs that he's removed the party whip from? And he's also going to have to try to get the DUP on side. So we are a long way, a long, long way from being done and dusted, that is for sure. 1850 Bernie is taking your calls. We are looking for your pet questions, please, because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us in studio. So pet questions, please. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. 
now a number of events taking place tomorrow. We want to give a mention to O'Sullivan's Pharmacy Bank Place in Mallow. They're having a Cups Against Breast Cancer Coffee morning tomorrow morning from 10 30 a.m. to 1 p.m. with all proceeds going to breast cancer awareness. You're asked to please drop in for a cuppa. St. Killian's School in Mayfield are hosting a fundraising table quiz tomorrow night at 8. That's in the Cotton Ball on the Old Yall Road. Tables of 4.40 euro. All are welcome. And Fanahan McSweeney Athletic Club train every Friday evening in the indoor track and field athletics from 7pm at Kilworth School and Mitchestown Leisure Centre. Boys and girls aged 7 upwards can go along and join. If you'd like more details 87 The Glen Theatre in Bantier are presenting one act comedy, The Marriage Plan, with lots of music, song and crack. It's on this Saturday night and it's in support of Billy O'Brien from Fremont. Billy is travelling to Mombasa in Kenya with the Ray of Sunshine Foundation. And you're invited to join Cork Nature Network at Beaumont Quarry this Saturday for their Bramble Bash. It starts at 11am. They'll clear a small area of Bramble to encourage more grasslands and it's a great fun way for people to learn more about the quarry's history and the ecology. Uh, Equipment will be provided. You meet at 11am at the Beaumont Quarry Information Board and that's in Beaumont Drive. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And you can use that number to get pet questions in to us, please. Some of your texts coming in. A WhatsApp or no name on this. Patricia, I can't understand why the town of Bandon wasn't given a rent pressure zone status, yet McCroom Town has. I've looked on daft.ie and the rent is higher in Bandon. It's due to our close proximity to the city. People that can't afford to rent in the city are now seeking to rent properties in Bandon which is putting huge pressure on people in the town who are looking for properties. I agree and I agree. I do think Bandon should be in a rent pressure zone. I think they need to look at those rent pressure zones because rents seem to be rising uh, all of the time and we're constantly hearing of people who are under that threat of finding themselves homeless, particularly families you know desperately trying to locate a property and then they'll look at an area and if you're, you know, if you're from Let's use Banton as the example. If you're from the town and you've got family support there and you've got children going to school there and you need to access uh, accommodation, sometimes people are being priced out of the market. And if you've got HAP, how often have we heard from people who have the housing assistance payment scheme and that landlords won't touch it. And on that very topic, a landlord contacted us last week and my apologies that I just didn't get around to his explanation. And obviously he's constantly hearing us talk about the housing assistance payments, the HAP scheme, and he's constantly hearing landlords getting knocked for not taking HAP. And you would hear from people who ring up to rent a house and the minute they say that they have HAP, the landlord will hang up. Just not interested. Well, he decided to contact us last week to explain the problems that some landlords have with the HAP scheme and the reason why so many landlords are reluctant to get involved in the HAP scheme. And he explained that when a tenant signs up to rent your property and they have the HAP scheme, he says it can take three months from that date of signing the lease before the landlord starts getting paid. 
I didn't realise realize that. But that's what he's saying. Three months from the start of the tenancy. But the biggest problem he sees, and this is the one that I certainly would have heard it before from other landlords, is the way the HAP scheme works. OK, the biggest portion of the rent under HAP is paid by the council and that gets paid directly into the landlord's bank account. Is it directly in? I'm assuming it is. But the tenant has to pay a small weekly contribution that's their part of the rent in order to make the HAP scheme work. Works. Now, a case that he was citing of a, of a property he was renting, the bulk of the payment was coming under the HAP scheme, the bulk of the rent... And his tenant was asked to pay €25 a week. But the problem was the tenant stopped paying the money. And when the tenant stops paying their contribution, then the bigger payment coming under HAP doesn't go through. So this landlord ended up out of pocket and he said, this is a danger and you have not a hope of trying to retrieve your money. He said it is impossible to get it. Uh, And he says you end up then with a tenant living in your house free of charge. He says, and this was a quote from him, the HAP crowd can't help you and there is nowhere to go. HAP is helpful, but they can't give you any information under the data protection. So the tenant has me without money and the HAP scheme also without money. So the whole scheme is that a whole system is just at a standstill just because the person decides they don't want to pay their contribution, which is only €25 a week, which isn't a lot of money when you look at the cost of uh, renting. So he reckons that is why a lot of landlords are slow or reluctant to get involved in HAP. Now, he did accept that 90% of tenants are very good tenants, but it's the 10% that let everybody down. Because I know other landlords will say that they've had no such problems with HAP. The scheme works really, really well once it's up and running and the money is coming into the account and once the tenant is paying their contribution, then everything's okay. And I do think... Because that's not the first time I've heard of, of a case like that from a tenant, from a landlord when you ask them. But you're under HAP, you're not getting the money automatically from the council and they'll say no because the tenant stopped paying their small portion of it because the bulk of it is coming under the HAP scheme. To me, that's the fatal flaw with HAP. I can't understand why the HAP side of it the council's part of the payment, why that doesn't continue to go in. And then, because obviously the council is, you know, let them then go after the tenant to, because it's unfair asking the landlord to do it. But if that continues and if more landlords continue to get stung that way, we're going to see more and more landlords like that one saying, had enough, just not not interested, not, you know, if somebody rings up in the minute they mention the HAP scheme, I'll just move on to somebody else. And, you know, at the moment, landlords can do that. They can pick and choose because there's so many people out there looking for good, affordable property. So they can pick and choose. But he's right. That landlord is right. 90% of tenants are great. We're involved in the HAP scheme, but it's the 10%, unfortunately, that's going to leave uh, everybody down. Heidi says, morning, Patricia. Hope you are good. I am very well. I'd like if you could try again and bring to the fore and get other people talking and get other people's views on insurance for young drivers, young men and women. Some insurance companies will only insure them if they have a recognised gained no claims bonus. How can they get a no claims bonus if they can't get insurance? It is idiotic. Now, and I don't know when you're going for insurance for the first time and say you've been on and some would have been on mammy or daddy's card. Does that stand to you? I know it wouldn't be your own no claims 
bonus. We are back at that situation again that we hadn't seen for many, many years where the insurance costs for young drivers. Remember at one stage for young male drivers, it was just off the Richter scale. But we're, we're not back. I don't think we're back to it being as bad as it once was. But we certainly are getting very close. We have people paying many thousands. I'm open to question on that, but I, I, I think I've seen calls and texts coming in from young drivers, particularly in that situation, trying to get their first car insurance policy. That is the one they're going to pay the most on. You'd like to think it'll come down uh, year on year. And Heidi is right. The problem is they do their best to shop around, but a lot of insurance companies will say, no, not interested in your business. And then they're stuck with the few who are offering a huge premium. And if they want to get out and drive and be on the road, they've no choice but to pay it. Anybody got a solution? Anybody got a theory on that? Or, or how does how do you get a, how do young drivers get around that? How do they get around trying to get? I mean, you're right. How do you get a no claims bonus if you don't have your own insurance? And I would be interested to hear from anyone who has recently applied for car insurance, a young driver, male or female driver, who's applied for insurance. What kind of premiums are you paying? I'd be interested in in hearing from anybody that has. Good, bad or indifferent, uh, let us know, please. 1850-333-103. Our lines remain open. Hi, Patricia. This is from Mary. Uh, could you please give a mention to our fundraiser for Mitchellstown Cope residents? The committee are holding a pop-up shop. It's happening next Sunday, October the 20th at the Theo Park in Labamalaga at the community centre there between 2 and 5 in the afternoon. Lots of designer clothes. Mm, people can get bargains. It's designer clothes for children and adults. There'll be footwear, handbags, jewellery, tableware, uh, toys, games, unwanted gifts and much, much more. There's also going to be a raffle and there'll be afternoon tea with home baking. That comes in from here. That sounds like a lovely, lovely afternoon and you can bag your bargain and pick up some designer clothes at the same time. Thank you for that. OK, I need to take a break. Oh, before I need to take a break, I want to give a mention to this because thank you, Anne, for this. This happened to me yesterday as well. Uh, Patricia, the scam calls are doing the rounds again. I received a text yesterday about a mixed call, about a missed call. The prefix number was 678. I decided to look it up. It's from Vanuatu. Island, says Anne. And Anne, would you believe I'm in your gang too? Because yesterday I was down at the post office posting a parcel to America, to Australia. God, isn't it expensive to post to Australia? But anyway, that's an aside. And as I was heading up to the counter with my package, my phone rang. Now, I'm one of those people that I'm quite strict on this. I think it's, I will never, ever stand at a counter in a shop or a bank or a post office or a business and answer a call. I just won't do it. But as I was heading up, I just looked into my bag to see who was calling me with the thing. When I'm finished, I'll, I'll go out and ring the person. And would you believe I have an iPhone where when those international calls come up, it comes up underneath where the call is from. And there you go. Vanuatu Island came up on mine as well. So I knew absolutely new straight away. It gave two or three rings and then it just rang off. So when I went home, I did a Google search on the Vanuatu scam calls to see what kind of calls were they. And yeah, they're the one whereby they don't want you to answer the call. They want you to have a missed call from them. And then what they want you to do is they want you to press call back to see who was calling you. And the, the it was, I think, $8 a minute 
is what the call will charge you. You're straight through. The minute you dial the number, the minute you connect with them, you are on to a premium line and it says $8. I don't know what that converts over to into euro, but that's what the scam uh, entails. So yeah, they're back out again. Now I know on my iPhone, and I don't know what phone and you have, I can block that number. But you know something? It's I blocked it straight away, but it's it's not really of any use because they just keep changing the numbers. I guarantee you, because usually when you get one, you'll get another. I guarantee you, I get another few from Vanuatu Island. The scam calls doing the rounds. Please be very, very careful. It's your hard-earned cash. We want you to hang on to it. We don't want anybody else getting their paws on it. Talking to paws. If you've got a pet question, text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And I can see questions, keep them coming in. Pet questions, please, for Jane. Uh, you can call Bernie at 1850 333 103. Or if you text or WhatsApp, they come straight into me here at the studio. 0862 103 103. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. And, and you're welcome. And Leave off your veterinary hat yeah. for a moment because you were involved with the Glen Theatre in Bantir and actually on the community diary there a couple of minutes ago I mentioned there's a one act comedy The Marriage Plan which is on this Saturday. You've seen it? I have seen it. So I'm involved with the drama group. Um, and You're doing this, Sharon's I, Grave. I'm do, we're doing Sharon's Grave yeah. which is a lovely two act play. Uh, John B. Keen in a few weeks time. But The Marriage Plan is a one act play and um you know to be totally honest it's absolute dynamite I've seen about half of it in rehearsals and it is hilarious like it's a very good play very quick altogether um, but it was there's, in the Ballincollig there's music and song in it as well there's isn't there? a little bit yeah, yeah like but I think the drama in it is all great like there's a yeah. bit there's something for everyone in there like okay. I think the the thing is it's it's fierce good they went to the Ballincollig one act play festival big festival lots yeah. of drama groups around the country competing and they won best play last weekend which is Whoa. a massive accolade so um, I think they deserve it though by yeah. what I've seen of it it's, well a, it's a real well dynamite and it's it's because it's a, it's a fundraiser for Billy O'Brien from Freebound who's is, going to Mombasa it is indeed and I think it would be a great thing to come along and support it's, it's in, always it's nice in a good to, cause and that's this out. Saturday night and there's nothing better than going out and having a good night of laughter you know there isn't and I yeah. think it's lovely down at the Glen for anybody who's ever been there you'll know they have a nice little cosy snug end at the back and yeah, everybody pops great. down afterwards for a chat and um, we have the fires roaring and it's, it's a lovely yeah. cosy place to go of an evening It's good for the soul It, it really is. is good for the soul Okay let's get straight into questions There was a WhatsApp in Let me go to the WhatsApp first to say uh, Hi uh, Hi Patricia and Jane At what age do you spay a male kitten? That's from Mary A male kitten I would say six months is ideal Okay Perfectly Five, six months um, Speak to your own local vet We all have our preferences about what age we do Most most that I would know of locally would do them around six months or beyond. There's never it's never too old or never too far gone to yeah. to, to castrate a, a male cat. Um, it's always good because I suppose it stops some of the the behaviours. Like they always have a quite a musky odor, uh, a manly smell to them, um, and castrating them can tone that down. But also, you're doing your bit for controlling the mm. the nationwide cat population. It's absolutely massive. There's feral cats everywhere. Um, so if you can spay or neuter your female and male cats respectively it'll really please do a great do. job please yeah. do so and six months is perfect good, good for the health and everything mm-hmm. um, uh, Patricia question for Jane your vet I have a cat that catches mice 
And she brings them home dead and then drops them off to one of my dogs to eat. I tried to intercept the cat before delivery to the dog, but it's not always possible. Is a dead mouse okay for the dog to eat? That's from Graham in in, uh, Newcastle West. Um, What a great cat. What a great cat. It's really doing a good job. Um, The answer is, it's probably not the best thing for it to be eating, but look, there's worse things in the world. I think the main danger I'd always see is uh, eating, let's say, the small rodents is they may have had access to other things like poisons. Um, That's usually a problem more with rats rather than anything else. But, you know, look, they can eat anything um, and that can have a knock on effect if it's eaten by the dog or the cat. Um, Most of the time, I suppose, physically, our little mouse probably be small enough to be broken down and pass out the other end but occasionally particularly in smaller pets smaller dogs um, there can be a bit of a mismatch in size and we can sometimes get intestinal blockages and lots of vomiting and maybe even a bit of a tummy upset and a bit of diarrhea afterwards so I try and discourage it if you can at all but it sounds like your cat's doing a, a great old mice and ratting job Yeah and I know I had a cat that was forever bringing home a, a mouse and, and would land it down to me as if mm. to say there you go and Yeah and I remember looking into it and that's exactly what it is They, mm-hmm. they the, the cat was see me as part of the pack I don't hunt so she's trying to say to me there you go you're not hunting yourself and obviously this cat is hugely bonded with this dog perhaps so it might just be a very odd little behaviour it's something I'd never heard of but maybe the cat is a very good fan of the dog and yeah. would like to bring it a little gift it looks like that they're, they're a great, great old dog so <laughs> keep intercepting Graham as best you can but you're yeah. the odd one I don't think hasn't no. done him any harm to date Look, um, yes. now a cat this, this sounds like a feral cat a cat comes to my house Uh, and other houses in our area. She arrived with kittens in June. The kittens were taken away. She came back again the end of August with more kittens. How's that? Oh, Very easy. Very easy. Um, I suppose if this little cat, it sounds like it's straying into you. It's not a cat that's kind of fed and stays by the sounds of it. Um, did the good thing in taking the kittens away maybe rehoming those and hopefully neutering and spaying those in due course so that they don't kind of multiply up again as their mum did I think really with this little cat if you could make sure that it's not somebody else's cat in the local area that's not physically owned by somebody if it's a wild cat for example okay Mm. if that's the case then I suppose speak to your local vet or even some neuter trap and release um, charities that are around I think to reduce the population of unwanted kittens in the country it's really important that we particularly spay the mums but also neuter neuter the boys as well it might be an idea after these kittens have let's say run their course and paddled off in their own lives um that we get the mum spayed but I think it's really important to make sure it is let's say a wild cat it's not somebody else's owned cat because yeah. in that case it's it's their responsibility and it's it's you know it's but a bit do, dubious it does sound like a feral cat it does it? sound like yeah, a feral cat yeah. and I suppose in an ideal world when those kittens would come of age spaying and neutering them too I remember reading a figure once that let's say one unneutered mammy cat um, can produce uh, hundreds of thousands of kittens it's, it's down the down the road incredible yeah. it's incredible their offspring all and their, their offspring, offspring and yeah, multiplies up those June kittens if they it would nearly be ready to start breeding yeah. you know what I mean it, it just go, so, goes on and on exactly they're they're pretty much mature enough that they can in a lot of cases begin to have kittens that are in five months five six months super uh, early okay staying with cats my older cat tends to tolerate dry food much better than he does cat canned cat food is there anything wrong in just giving dry food not a bit at all as long as it's a good quality complete hard food diet like a dry nut 
there's nothing wrong with that at all. To be totally honest, I'm in favour of it because it, it's good for their teeth. A mm. good bit of crunch keeps the dental disease at bay to a certain degree. Certainly better than the wet food anyway. Um, so I think if that's what they prefer and maybe they prefer the, find the pouches or the thins maybe a little bit too rich on the tummy, then I would stick with the dry food. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, there's no problem at all. And unusual because normally they prefer the... Oh, yeah. They, they prefer the canned <laughs> stuff. You find they get the, the taste for the, yeah, the gravy they and do, yeah. that's that. Um, hi girls, uh, Margaret here. My Jack Russell is licking the other Jack Russell's ear. Okay. The ear has now become very sore. Is he after spreading infection? Mm, it's possible. It's a bit of a chicken and egg situation here. Maybe it could be that for one reason that... The partner dog has been licking the, the dog's ear who's got sore and introduced some kind of bacterial infection. Like in inside the dog's mouth, there's a huge amount of different bacteria growing there. Some good, some bad. Um, all which have, would be fairly out of context if they were introduced to an ear. So it's possible we could have set up an infection. Um, but it's also possible that maybe that dog's ear was discharging a little bit and dogs can be a little bit gross at the worst of times. They'll go and lick any kind of discharge they can find, sometimes even on their friend. So it could be that there might have been an existing ear infection and the little buddy dog was just letting you know about it. Yeah. Um, I think either way, visit your vet. You need to have a good look down that ear. It's really important before you go putting any treatment down to the ear to make sure a vet has a look with an otoscope. So it's a little tool which allows us to see down to the base of the ear. And there's almost a cling film like membrane that protects all of the inside side structures of the ear like the balance apparatus really important but the eardrum as well for hearing and with ear infections sometimes that little bit of cling film membrane can be broken which makes it a lot more dangerous putting down liquids and we might let's say uh, your vet might prescribe a, a tablet instead so I think it's really important to check and not just plough ahead with some drops. Okay alright uh, Hi this is from Anne my boxer dog you can often hear his tummy rumbling Um and he appears to not feel well and then can't sleep at night. And when he's going through all this, he doesn't want to be alone. It happens every now and again. Mm. He does eat grass. He's a two-year-old male neutered. Could it be linked to the eating of grass? He kind of gets an upset stomach. But you hear this Possible, but I tummy rumbling. Again, another chicken and egg situation. Is it the grass that's causing the problem? I think less likely. Is the okay. grass more, let's say, the dog attempting to deal with the symptoms? Maybe he has a bit of a tummy upset. Sometimes they'll eat grass sometimes out of habit sometimes to make themselves feel like they want to vomit so it's it's kind of oh, making yeah. themselves vomit okay. so it might be that yeah, for one reason or another he might have eaten something silly or have a bit of a tummy upset for another reason eating the grass to try and make himself vomit him not wanting to be alone is really interesting we see this a lot with our pets they become clingy when they feel unwell so that's another symptom <laughs> um, I think if you're in any doubt and if it happens frequently visit your vet just for a good check over and a boxer dog. I mean, two. He's young and he is yeah. neutered. You've done everything right there. And do they do they suffer with tummy complaints? They can do sometimes. I suppose any any breed at all. I suppose can suffer with tummy complaints of various types. They don't always read the rule book. Our younger patients, we would hope it would be the less sinister um, of the things that could be wrong with the tummy. And certainly in the younger dogs that are fierce, energetic, eating things they're not meant to is top of the list. Okay, yeah. and a dog that start has started shaking his head slowly. Ah, Should you be another, worried? Well, I think this is another ear disease. So okay. shaking of the head, pawing at the ears, dragging the ears along the carpet is usually all symptoms of ear discomfort. It can be infection. It could be something stuck in there. I think visit your vet is in order. Very rarely this can be some different changes where we might have a little tremor in the head. 
um, which I don't know if that's what's being described, a slow shaking. Uh, sometimes that can be to do with the balance within the brain. So I think either way, a visit to your vet is, is in order. But it's not really normal, is it, for no, a dog to not, be? And it's, it's described as shaking slowly. I, and, it's, and it's only happened recently. If it's only happened recently, it's a change. And I think owners are fabulous. Because dogs and cats are part of the family, you notice every change exactly like you would notice in your kids. And I think the best thing to do is, I would say, trust your gut. If you think something has changed or something is different, it probably is. And it's probably a problem. So I think if your gut is telling you this is a bit of a change from how he was before, I think visit your vet for an assessment. Because sometimes if we can intervene early, we can avoid a lot of problems. And sometimes at the early point, it's only these slight little changes we're seeing. Um, so I think you trust your gut. You know your dog or cat really well. So okay. go with it. And Barnard wants to know, do older dogs sleep more? He has a 12-year-old Labrador and he's good, fine and healthy, but it seems to be sleeping longer. Is yeah. that normal in older dogs? We think they do. Yeah, I yeah. definitely see this all of the do time. You? Yeah, it's, it's very much like in humans. The young sleep longer and the older sleep longer. And somewhere in between, we can manage off less sleep. I suppose there's very few studies demonstrating it in dogs and cats but anecdotally I notice it all the time I know my my older dog at home Sally um, sleeps an awful lot more than the spring chicken I have Margot she's only three so she's up in the yeah. bench all the time whereas Sally is having a good old schnooze and so, then so I, I suppose he's saying there's nothing we need to worry about once they no, once, as once he's saying the dog appears fine and healthy eating everything's okay just that he's sleeping more yeah I think as long as he's otherwise bright energetic enjoying his walks happy otherwise I think there's no problem. I think a change in sleep pattern, as long as it's associated with, let's say, advancing age, is is not a problem. As long as he's well in between times. Okay, yeah. let, let yeah. him sleep away. Let him, let him let have him a good old snooze. All yeah, right, there's nothing like it's nothing like your own bed. No. Thanks for that. Uh, have uh, Jane have a good week. That is uh, Jane Pickett, who is uh, with the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Okay, that's where we wrap it up for today. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. My thanks to Bernie Murphy for producing today and we're back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock and a reminder that we've got Alice Taylor the wonderful Alice Taylor joining us to talk about her new book that is tomorrow and to that I'm Patricia Messenger good afternoon Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50-80% to less than other high-end brands and the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program.